Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Cozy On Up and NC Cardinal. Each episode is a journey through a cozy mystery theme or author that is available in NC Cardinal. If you've got a cozy mystery topic or question you'd like me to look into in a future episode, just post it in the comments on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or in the episode Q&A in Spotify. We also have a Goodreads group and an Amazon book club that goes with this so you can see upcoming topics that we're reading, when those will be done, and you can also post your discussion, comments, questions, thoughts there as well. For June, we are doing National Candy Month. So there are several chocolate, candy, kind of confection-themed cozies that are out there because food is one of the major um, kind of sub-themes in Cozy Mysteries. So we're going to take a little sweet sampling and find out what's good to have. As Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. We're going to do this in reverse order of newest published to oldest. Um, kind of go descending here. Uh, we are going to start with a salted caramel. Uh, this is book number one in the Amish Candy Shop Mystery Series, written by the Agatha Award-winning author Amanda Flower. The description of the book is, a New York chocolatier lands in a sticky situation when she returns to her Amish roots in this debut cozy mystery novel by Agatha Award-winning author. Bailey King is living the sweet life as the assistant chocolatier at a famous New York chocolate company. But just when, and literally in the book, it is the week that the decision is going to be made. When she's up for a major promotion, she gets word that her grandfather Jebediah's heart condition has worsened. Bailey rushes back to Harvest, Ohio, where her grandparents still run the Swissman Sweets Shop, an Amish candy shop where she first learned about all things delicious and sugary, like fudge, truffles, and other assorted delights. Unfortunately, Bailey's grandparents are suffering from more than just his heart trouble. An, a local English uh, land developer is trying to take over their shop. And when the man is found dead in the candy shop kitchen, with Jebediah's chocolate knife buried in his chest, the sheriff begins to sub suspect Bailey since she just returned to town. Now, with the sweet help of a handsome deputy, Bailey is out to clear her name. But as a cunning killer tries to fudge the truth, she may be headed straight into a whole batch of trouble. Um, I'll post the link for this series information um, into the podcast description in case you'd like to see the other titles that have come out. It is currently up to seven titles in this series. This was published in August 2017, the debut novel. She's already up to seven novels. Uh, number seven is coming out this August uh, 2022. Um, she looks like she puts out about one a year for this series, um, but she has quite a few commitments. So she's kind of busy spread out writing like one for each of her several series. So she puts out quite a few books every year. It's just one per series. This is available in NC Cardinal, and it's also available in Kindle Unlimited. I'll also post her author uh, page information in case you kind of like to read about more of her other series that she's written. She's written a lot of mysteries. That's clearly kind of her focus is mystery, not purely cozy, but mystery. Um, she's written mysteries for children. 
She's done Amish mysteries, historical, uh, magical, you know, kind of fantasy mysteries, and contemporary ones for adults. She's a USA Today best-selling and Agatha award-winning author of over 35 mystery novels. Her novels have received starred reviews from Library Journal, Publishers Weekly, and The Romantic Times. She's been featured in articles in USA Today, First for Women, and Women's World Magazine. She currently writes, her series are spread across several of the major uh, mystery publishing lines, such as Penguin Random House, which is Berkeley, you know, crime, Kensington, Hallmark Publishing, which is a new um, effort Hallmark has been doing. Um, also, Crooked Lane Books and Source Books. Crooked Lane does a lot of cozy mysteries as well. In addition to being a writer, she was a librarian for 15 years. And today, Amanda Flower and her husband own a farm and a recording studio where they live in Northeast Ohio. So this, you know, the setting of this book being in Ohio is right where she's familiar. And they have two cats named Editors Cheeps and Tummy. Uh, the fun feature, of course, we're back to the food uh, subgenre of cozy. So in Salted Sweets, there's a recipe at the end for the famous Swissman Sweets Salted Caramel Fudge. So she has one recipe at the end. Some of our other books today will have quite a few recipes mixed in throughout. So book readability. Uh, this was cute, uh, but some of the others that I read for this podcast episode kind of grabbed my attention a little faster. But that is more likely due to what I was kind of like feeling interested in reading at the moment and not the fault of this book. Um, it's not like it was weirdly written or, you know, boring or something because it was well written. She is a great writer. I mean, she's an Agatha Award winning author. Uh, the plot I found to be memorable, what I read, it's just kind of like the Amish setting wasn't kind of quite, you know, sparking my interest right now. Um, of course, if you like Wanda Brunstetter, Beverly Lewis, Linda Byler, Amy Clipston, Linda Castillo, and Mindy Starnes-Clark. If you've read any of theirs for Amish uh, books, you, you might find it easier to kind of slide on over into an Amish-based cozy mystery if you want to expand and have some other reading options. So that is the good thing of kind of like these Amish-based cozy mysteries. And there are several. There's one we had from the Pie Month, and then we have this one, the Candy Shop one. Um, so if you kind of like the Amish setting, but you need some new authors to expand your reading list, uh, this would be a good way to expand that, move into Amish-based cozy mysteries. Uh, for the plausibility and the guessability of the crime, it is definitely a slow build. There's a lot of red herrings, and then it suddenly shifts at the end with Bailey being saved from being framed as a murderer, So because she was deliberately being framed. Um, and it, it kind of would be a little shocking when you get near the end. I mean, because they have some major red herrings they keep pushing ahead, um, but then suddenly, wham, at the end, it shifts, and you find out who actually is doing all of it. Um, Bailey, obviously, given this is not the only book in the series, uh, decides to stay in the town and help her grandmother. Um, so they're going to be running the shop, and the cover was adorable. It has a lot of detail. It's really cute. You can kind of see the Amish... Um, they're kind of making it very obvious that there's an Amish setting for this. But then they have all the kitty cat that joins the candy store. And then they have all the other supplies all in there. It's a really cool cover. It's a mass market paper-sized book in case you like the small ones for easy toting to read at work during your lunch break. Um, my overall opinion about would I read more in this series? Um, kind of, you can already guess, maybe. Um, she does write well. I wouldn't mind it at all. 
it's just there's so many topics to work through. It's not something I'm going to be jumping back to immediately just because it the Amish part just wasn't to my taste, but it was still very well written. So let's move on to the next one. We've got four to get through today. We've got Criminal Confections coming up next. This was published in 2015, a couple years before. Uh, this is another one of those really cool mass market paperbacks from Kensington Mystery. Um, has a very detailed, awesome cover. They do a really good job with their covers. Uh, there's a lot of detail. You see all the chocolates and candy. You know, the hint towards the murder and the kind of San Francisco setting. Um, this is the first book in a Chocolate Whisperer mystery series by Colette London. Um, I didn't have time to actually read this book. I'm going to get back to it later because I really wanted to, but everything going on with summer reading didn't have time to get through this one but I did look into a lot about it to kind of figure out what it was doing what I want to come back to it and I do given the description so Hayden Mundy Moore has bushwhacked through African jungles haggled in exotic markets to find the finest cocoa beans and the most flavorful blends it's thrilling work but rarely dangerous until a colleague turns up dead at the exclusive chocolate-themed Le Maitre Resort Spot in San Francisco. Adrienne Dowling's heart attack is blamed on an accidental overdose of the secret ingredient used in Le Maitre's chocolate's new line. Hayden, though, can't believe that the conscientious Adrienne would make such a mistake. But between the chocolate body scrubs, cocoa mud baths, and the non-stop frenzy of chocolate-based treats, Hayden starts to suspect that she, not Adrienne, was the intended target. Finding a killer among the rival chocolatiers and potential suspects won't just be satisfying. It might actually save her life. I'll post the link to Colette's London's uh, series. There's five titles in this series. The last one was published in 2019. I don't see any more like being listed as coming out, even if it's just like electronic version. doesn't look like she's publishing any more in this series. She did get five, though, so it's a nice good set if you're needing uh, a series, you know, to kind of get through a couple weeks worth of reading. I don't see any other mysteries by her, but that's because the name Colette London is a pseudonym of a best-selling author who's published more than three dozen books worldwide. Um, rather unusually, book number one, the one we have here, is not available in Kindle Unlimited Kindle versions, but the other ones are. Um, it's also available in NC Cardinal. Colette London, as non-mystery writer, her name is Lisa Plumley. So I'll post her series list in the podcast description so you can see all the titles for, for the Chocolate Whisperer series. Now we have two more. I've read these. 2013's All Fudged Up. This is book number one in a candy-coated mystery series by Nancy Coco. This one, once again, Kensington Mystery, mass market paperback size, adorable detail cover. I just love how they do these covers. It's great. So we have a little dog on it. It kind of gives you an idea of a uh, marshmallow dog who's mentioned in the book, what he looks like, or sorry, she looks like. So the description for the books is, Welcome to the historic McMurphy Hotel and Fudge Shop, where life is sweet, revenge is sweeter, and murder is here to stay. Allie McMurphy is up to her neck in renovations at the grand old hotel that's been in her family for generations, and it has since like the 1860s. With its quaint Victorian charm and world-famous fudge shop, 
The place is one of Mackinac Island's most beloved landmarks. Surely, every family has a skeleton or two in the closet. But Allie didn't expect to find an actual corpse inside of her closet, especially one named Joe Jessup, who had a long-running feud with her recently dear-departed grandfather, Papa Liam. Oh, this makes Allie the number one suspect. Can she sniff out the culprit before another victim checks in? So this one's kind of cool in the sense it fits um, two of the sub-themes that I like reading, which is kind of like the the bed and breakfast hotel. So this is like a smaller hotel, family hotel. And it's also food themed. This is a candy uh, fudge shop. I've uh, got the list of her, all the series she's written. I'll post that in the podcast. There's 10 titles in this series. Number 10 ca- just came out May 24th, 2022. Um, so she's still actively writing in this. So this would be a good one if you'd like to have something that's going to be continually written, at least for now. Uh, they're available in NC Cardinal. Um, this one, along with number three, number seven, and number eight are also available in Kindle Unlimited. So you, if you want to test a few out because you'd like to take your e-reader maybe when you're on the airplane, this you could do that. Um, I'll post the author information. Now, interestingly, it may not be obvious right off the bat, this is the same author, just a different pseudonym, Nell Hampton, as the Kensington Palace Mystery Series that we read back for the Pie-themed podcast. So Nancy J. Parra is a USA Today best-selling author of over 30 published novels, including five major series. She has the Oregon Honeycomb Mystery Series, the Candy Coated Mysteries, the Kensington Palace Mystery Series, the Wine Country Tours Mystery Series, the Gluten-Free Baker's Treat Mystery Series, and the Perfect Proposal Mystery Series. And hers are spread across the usual publishers, Berkeley Prime Crime, Crooked Lane, Kensington. So, I got sucked into this one pretty quickly. Even though I was listening to it in an audiobook. Sometimes the narrator can make or break a book. Even if it's great to read in paper, it might not be so great in audiobook. But the narrator was actually really good for this one as well. Um, you know, good tone, good pace. You could kind of really imagine that voice as um, Allie's voice. There's quirky characters, lots of tasty fudge recipes. This is kind of one of the few uh, food cozies when going through it that the recipes I was like, man, even though I can't really eat a whole batch of fudge on my own, I really want to make this. Um, Maybe it's time we expand our uh, cozy mystery podcast to also include a companion cooking club and we can all meet in person and help each other like divvy out and eat one of these recipes because this 21 and up age fudge line that she starts in this book for the hotel sounds amazing it's really clever all of these recipes i don't know how um nancy coco did it but these are great she must have had a lot of people help taste test these recipes for her they're normally mixed in at the end of a chapter to kind of give you a a hint of what Allie's been cooking or is about to be cooking for the next chapter. There's two love interests in this series, Officer Rex Manning and another local, Trent Jessup, the grandson of the man who dies in her closet. 
Um, there's also a growing group by the end. It starts out where it looks like she's all on her own. You know, she's just inherited this hotel. She's trying to remodel it. By the end, she has her circle of kind of, which is common in cozies, her circle of supporters and friends who are there to help, you know, fill her in on like local gossip, family history, so that she can, you know, be solving these mysteries. Um, of course, what does, what gets her started in solving this one is because she is the main suspect to begin with. Um, she also gains a Bichon slash Poodle, it's a shed-free, um, dog species. Uh, it's named Marshmallow. That's the picture of the dog on the front. Uh, little Marshmallow, uh, very cute, very smart, and is crucial in giving clues to the reader and solving the crime. So pets often are another, uh, common component of cozy mysteries. And this time it's a dog and it's a very cute one. Allie gets involved because she's initially blamed by gossip in town. Um, you know, she's the prime suspect to begin with. But given other murders happen and she gets attacked and there's thievery going on, it quickly becomes obvious that something else is afoot here. Um, because then it shifts to Allie remains involved because she's trying to save her business because people are canceling their reservations Oh, you know, because someone got murdered there, and then someone got murdered, you know, like 100 yards away from there. And then, towards the end, she stays involved because she's trying to save her own life, because she's getting attacked, and those around her are getting attacked. So the listenability, Vanessa Johansson did a great job. I think at least two more titles in this series have been adapted into audiobooks. So if you need an audiobook to listen to, this would be a good one. Um, the plausibility and the guessability for the crime. Uh, the crime rapidly begins because the book literally opens to the dead body in the closet. It's Joe Jessup. Um, there's no clues, though, so it's really hard to eliminate or make suspects. Everyone basically could be a suspect, um, and it's like trying to figure out who would have the best motive. So the whole middle part of the book is where Allie is learning about the locals and possible motives as she digs into family history and the hotel history and, you know, other people in a roundabout, who's married who, who inherited what, because she hasn't lived here in a while. Um, Papa Liam had recently died, so there starts to be questions raised on, did Papa Liam get murdered? Maybe Joe Jessup wasn't the first murder. Maybe it was Papa Liam. Um, so maybe both the Jessup's and the McMurphys, instead of feuding each other and someone killed someone else, maybe someone else is killing both of them. There's a few near misses on, like, attempted murders and and or kidnappings or harming someone, you know, assault. Um, there's some theft. Uh, there's, like, is somebody in the hotel? It kind of, at times, reminded me of reading Nancy Drew, um, and, you know, as a kid, where it's like, ooh, are we finding secret passageways and secret tunnels? And who's living, like, you know, behind the walls? How is someone getting in and out of a room? Kind of like a Nancy Drew, Scooby-Doo kind of reflection. Uh, I kind of saw echoes of that. But it's well done. So, let's see, we have, we open with the murder. Then it's everything's building. Then we have another murder. So everything really starts breaking wide open. We're like, okay, it's not just the Jessups and the McMurphys who have a feud dying. Now we have a totally different person dying. So what's the connection between all three? And then there's two attempted murders right at the end of the book. The kicker, though, is the culprit. Or I dare say culprits. Um, I don't want to give anything away by saying anything more detailed, but there's more than one person involved. And it suddenly kind of starts to make sense. 
in those last couple of chapters when everything breaks open after that second murder, you're like, wait a minute here. Is it this person or is it that person? Because there's quite, there's at least a few people that seem to have, you know, they're around, they're being hinted towards as maybe they're a suspect or are they a red herring? And then suddenly you realize, oh, several of them actually are, in, are doing this. So things get very exciting very fast right at the end, but the crime is plausible. It has a really cool touch of prohibition history and cross-border, you know, alcohol smuggling involved. So that's fun. Um, I love this series, so my opinion on whether I'd read more, yes, I would read more. And I kind of like to try a few of these recipes, which is a first for me. Most of the time, the recipes are just cool to look at, and you're like, oh, yeah. And you're, like, figuring out either, oh, yeah, that's the recipe that was mentioned in so-and-so chapter because they include the recipe, like, at the start or the end of the book, like, as a separate section. But this one blends it in to the book as you're reading, which is nice. Totally different. You kind of get a sense of being able to cook along and read along as Allie's making and cooking herself. The last book, the oldest book we're looking at today, Candy Apple Dead from 2005. This is by Sammy Carter, a.k.a. that's her pseudonym. It's Jacqueline Brady and Sherry Lewis, and Sherry Lewis is her actual name. So all three of those are, well, Sammy Carter and Jacqueline Brady are the pseudonyms, and Sherry Lewis is her actual name. So you might see mysteries published under all three. This is book number one in a candy shop mystery series. So there is a similarity in the sense you're going to see the setting being a small candy shop either attached to another business, another location, or maybe as a standing a standalone business, but it's still, you know, just a small local candy shop. So this book, the basic description, no visit to Paradise, Colorado is complete without a stop at Divinity Candy Shop for a little taste of heaven. For owner Abby Shaw, it's a sweet deal too. When her Aunt Grace passed away, Abby Shaw inherited divinity, and with it the opportunity to leave her career as a corporate lawyer and dump her cheating husband. Now she spends her time serving up delectable treats and performing the occasional deductive feat. So in this book in particular, making and selling sweets eases Abby's heartache, but having Brandon Mills' sweet on her eases it even more. The owner of a men's clothing store, he invites Abby to the local merchants meeting where he'll plead his case to extend the Cindy's annual arts festival for, from two days to four days. And when he wants to cap off the night with a romantic dinner for two, Abby, hmm, what's going to happen? However, Brandon never shows. His store is destroyed by fire and then his body is discovered in the rubble. Abby is shocked to find that few people in town are mourning his death. Paradise's business owners were threatened by Brandon's ambitious nature, and several men felt threatened by the attention he showered on their wives. And when her brother, Wyatt, becomes the number one suspect, Abby holds her own investigation to find out who really killed Brandon. Was it for love or was it for money? So I'll post the list of Sammy Carter's uh, books. Uh, there's five titles in this series. The last one was published in 2009, so she put them out, you know, bam, 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 really quickly. Um, but done with this series, they're available in NC Cardinal. It's a mass market pa paperback from Berkeley crime mystery, Berkeley prime crime mystery. Um, Sherry Lewis, of course, is the official name behind all of these pseudonyms. She, the Samer, Sammy Carter personality, she closed out in 2015. Um, of course the book series was closed out. 
uh, I'll post the, I'll re-share the link to her blog post where she explained. Um, also her Jacqueline Brady uh, pseudonym, that domain name has expired. So it looks like she's kind of condensed everything back down to her own name. There's some candy recipes included in here. Um, also a lot of advertisements at the end, but there's a lot of candy recipes included. This was a good read. I enjoyed it. It's a little shorter, especially when you're looking at it and comparing it to other books. Um, like maybe 75 to 100 pages shorter than most of the other lengths of Cozy Mystery. So when you stack them up side by side, you can kind of see how much shorter it is than the other ones. But that's not a bad thing because I think that might be why I got sucked into this story as well so easily and the characters got invested so quickly because the author wasn't really wasting any time, you know, fluffing out or expanding the book. It was like straight to the point, you know, learning all the characters. You got really great uh, insight into the major, you know, suspects and people involved in the, just the first couple of chapters. It didn't take long. There's a lot of familiar elements that we see in Cozy's. So Abby, of course, has moved back to the region from Sacramento, California. Um, this town that she's in uh, is near Vale and Aspen. So, you know, it has a lot of tourism options. She just moved back nine months ago. So, of course, it sets her up as, I don't know anyone, having to learn, learn everybody. Her Aunt Grace died. So, of course, that happens sometimes in these Cozy's where some relative dies. And that's the reason the person's moving back. Her marriage fell apart uh, with her cheating husband, so this was her reason when she inherited this candy shop that was built in the 1960s in an old building that housed a lot of other stuff originally, so it's a historic building, um, including like the town jail and several other things. So there's like lots of nooks and crannies and little rooms in this building, and now that they own the whole building, her apartment's upstairs, all the nooks and crannies have been turned into different things like the, uh, you know, candy cooking portion, you know, the display case area, the eating area, you know, all sorts of stuff you can have, you know, tucked in and around with all these different walls and divisions. One of the things I noticed with her writing is, you know, compared to kind of the other authors we had today is... There was a lot of uh, doubt being thrown around instead of sometimes where it's, why is this even happening? Or, you know, who would have the motive? And you kind of have a clear, obvious, you know, the murder. This time, there's a lot of doubt getting thrown around. And things are shifting. Um, so it opens up with you as a reader starting to question, is Abby defending a man no one likes? And why doesn't anybody like him? Is she a newcomer and she's like naive? Um why is everybody so upset? Because they claim he's after their property and after their wives, but there's like no real evidence that he actually was taking over any property or having, you know, committed adultery or not. Like, if, what's really going on here? Is it just people getting upset? Um, is it kind of a teasing personality on Brandon's part? You know, and then it starts shifting to doubt of, is Abby defending a man who has committed insurance fraud? which quickly shifts once they find his body to, is Abby's brother Wyatt a murderer? Because that looks so, like, that That seems so such a strong possibility. We learn a lot of interesting twists and turns and reveals uh, with that situation. 
is Wyatt's wife an adulteress? Did she commit murder? Like, was she upset because she thought she was the only one? Was she the only one? Were they actually, did they actually commit adultery? Did, did she do it because she got upset? Um, is Stella Farmer up to something? They're always describing her in interesting ways in the book. Is she the murderer? Has she done something? Does she know who did it? So the plausibility and guessability. About halfway through the book, Abby decides she needs to investigate because at that point, not only is it the characters have been set up, the crime has happened, then they find out it's a murder, but it's because Officer Pine Jawashki seems to really be a stone-cold investigator, and it looks like her brother's innocence is at stake. But things move along quickly with lots of discoveries, shifts in how to view people's motivations. And finally, with Max, which is Brandon's dog, it really does come down to these pets and cozy mysteries, it seems like. The dog Max provides a major breakthrough right at the end. Um, I liked this one. I'd read more. Of course, we know the series has ended and is complete, but that's okay. If we have another chance to read these, we might, because I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoyed some of these and get a chance to read them. Um, if you need to, come on by the library and we'll request them for you, or you can request them online. And... We're going to have a long list. If you look on our book clubs, you'll see that there's a long list of uh, summer reading options. We have the CSLP national theme of Oceans of Possibilities. So for us adults, we're going to be looking at, you know, beach, seashore, ocean-based um, cozy mysteries. And we've got the list up there if you'd like to get started. And we'll have that podcast episode coming up in August. So you'll have time to read while you're at the beach. Have a good summer.